This is the official HITS training and consulting podcast. We are America's law enforcement canine training resource. We're raising the training bar for police dogs everywhere by discussing the intricate details of the training techniques used by the experts. HITS radio is merging the training world with the real world. You've been there. We've been there too. Welcome to HITS radio. I'm your host, Jeff Meyer. Today I have a detective from Indianapolis Metro PD from their narcotics division. I have Gary Haddon with me. I brought him on today because um, he's doing a lot of parcel interdiction. And I know a lot of agencies maybe dabble in it a little bit, but from talking to Gary, they're very uh, involved in uh, using their canines in a lot of different ways at a lot of their different uh, places where people are shipping drugs out or into their city. So Gary's got a lot of information. He's been doing this for a very long time. I brought him on to maybe uh, have him explained the benefits of using the dogs, how they set up their program and what all they do. And that way, if you're in a position where maybe you have a dog and you're looking for a little more work for that dog, Gary will give you some pointers as to who to contact, which which couriers maybe are a little bit more friendly towards our um, endeavors. So without further ado, let me introduce uh, Gary Haddon. How are you doing today, Gary? I'm doing well. Thank you. You mind uh, kind of just going over your background? I know you've been doing this for a long time. Started out down in Florida and then uh, ended up in Indianapolis. So if you can kind of explain your whole background for our listeners, I'd appreciate it. Yeah, I started uh, started my canine career uh, down in Hanlow Beach, Florida, which is north of Miami in Broward County. Um, back in let's see, I came on in 1990. I got my first dog from Bonlet Kennels up here, of all places in Indiana, from uh, 1995, and uh, I worked that dog about eight years or so, and then moved up here. I had an opportunity to, and I've been on, uh, I've been on uh, Indianapolis Metro since 1998, and worked uh, dual-purpose dogs for about 15 years. Moved over to the interdiction side. I'm on my second interdiction dog. I've worked a total of four dogs altogether, so I got about 25, 26 years of canine experience, and. Uh, Enjoy every minute of it. So we got into the parcels um, pretty heavy back in 2012. So we're going on our ninth year. And was were you there. were you in on the beginning of that too when you first started with the parcels? Pretty much. Um, they had been out there at the at the hub uh, out at FedEx um, in Indianapolis Airport for just about three months before I joined them. And at that time, did you have a dual purpose dog, or when you had switched over to a single? purpose? No, I had a single purpose. Okay. Uh, Yep. So are you assigned to your narcotics division or which, where, where do you work at in your department? Uh, we're considered investigators. We're an uh, interdiction team is made up of uh, 14 in our unit. Um, every detective in our unit has a canine assigned to them, all single purpose dogs. And um, we have a sergeant assigned to a dog too. So we have a lieutenant and three sergeants and another, you know, 11 detectives with dogs. And, okay. Uh, myself and another handler pretty much almost permanently assigned to work in parcels because of the uh the amount of you know interceptions we're getting sure and you have a large hub there in indianapolis right we do it's the second largest fedex hub in the world um so we have the opportunities uh, that a lot of places don't have and what i like to share when i do uh, meet other people from other states is how we can help them by turning them on to something coming their way or how I can uh, kind of advance their program by telling them how to get in and, you know, 
they can assess what they can do in even a smaller jurisdiction that has a local parcel facility, how they can sure. uh, find it. Even though we're at an airport and it's being flown, it still has to go on the ground and has to go to a substation. Sure. And I think we'll get into some of the mechanics. Um, before we do that, just for our listeners, um, can you tell us about Indianapolis PD? How many cops do you have total? And then um, if you have 14 single purpose dogs, I know you have dual purpose dogs, just kind of give us an overview of how many cops you have and then what your canine unit, how it breaks down across your agency. Okay. Yeah, we have uh, 1,700 officers on a department. Um, breaks down. We have single purpose. We have uh, the, the ones we have are 12 narcotics, two arson, 10 bomb dogs, and 20, 26 or 27 patrol dogs. Now we're, we get, we have 52 dogs on the department. Okay. And is it one single canine unit or are you like, if you're in patrol, are you one unit? And if you're detectives with narcotics, are you in a separate, totally separate unit? Right. So patrol is assigned to Homeland security or department of Homeland security. They fall under that division. We fall under um, investigation. I see. Okay. So um, let's get into the, the parcel interdiction. First off, um, maybe give just a general overview because there's probably a few uh, listeners that we have that haven't done, have never done it, have never been anywhere. So exactly how, what are you looking for? What are the benefits and, and maybe from the ground floor, um, if, if somebody's completely not familiar with what you're talking about, if we can start there. Well, the overall objective is to interrupt the flow of drugs and money, provide assistance to the other states. Obviously, I mean, we get a lot of, like I said, stuff coming through here that's not even it's not staying here. It's just in transit. So there are international flights coming in. We have international flights, but we don't really get involved in those as much. The customs guys do, and we do work with them. Okay. They work with us. Um, we have a couple dog teams from customs that, that work with us. Um, the one dog is strictly a currency dog. It's not a narcotics detection dog. It's sure. a currency uh, gun dog. That's it. I have one of those myself. Customs. I'm familiar. So. Yeah, yeah. So... And, you know, the, the key is to dismantle the drug trafficking organizations. You know, it's, you know, you take a, a chunk of, of what they're doing. Um, and again, I think I sent you some of the numbers that we're generating. And it's because of that, that, you know, we can, we can hurt them in their pocketbooks as well as um, getting some dangerous stuff off the street. So um, we have an agreement with the parcel companies. Um, we give them notification. They know our schedule. They know when to expect us there since we're basically on a regular schedule. Um, you know, we, we don't endanger the employee safety. We don't interfere with the you know company's bottom line. Um, we follow their policies on control delivery. So they're aware of what's going on. And then um, we never pub, uh, publicize the company's involvement. So even in our warrant affidavits, we say a local shipping company. So it could be UPS or Postal or, or FedEx or whatever it may be. We don't include them in it. We keep their staff out of it. Um, so they're never mentioned in, in anything. It's clearly law enforcement only. And they, they want that. They don't want to be involved. And that's something that you, when you go in and make an agreement, you make sure that um, they're aware of that. You know, we're, we're a guest at their facility. We follow their rules. So and I think that's just, that's a great point just to jump in. Like we go out with our bomb dog group um, and we'll train at one of the FedEx facilities and they're, they're super patient with us. They, they don't mind us being there. They're more than happy to really accommodate um, us to the extent that it doesn't affect their business, but their business is to keep those boxes moving it. I mean, they don't want a box sitting anywhere. So 
is I think I think that's just a good point from the very beginning. You know, sometimes as cops, we want to be completely in charge, and that's gonna that's gonna sink your program right off the bat if you uh, don't go in there with the attitude that you just described that we're their guest. Yeah, and we do. We we dress, um, you know, plain clothes. Uh, we're we're in there mingled with the sort uh, with the uh, with the workers, and uh, you know, if anything, we help them. I mean, there's sometimes boxes jam up. We break open. We help them get them off the out of the way and move the boxes along. We're right there with them as we're inspecting the the parcels going by. So we blend right in with them. We don't get in their way. If anything, we help them. But uh, um, you know, and anything we do, you know, we respect the the operation manager's decisions when we provide a follow-up um, information to them when we do um, execute a warrant uh, they get a copy of that signed warrant and uh, they can enter it in their system also so they know you know it was it was seized by us and what have you um, so starting at the ground floor um, say I've, I work in a city and I've never I've got a dual purpose dog or a single purpose uh, drug dog I want to get involved in this what's my very first step? Where do, you know, where do I go? I mean, obviously, you know, I'll go through a policy with my own department, tell them what we're going to do. But I guess one of the first steps is the goal is to interrupt the flow. And like you said, so I've got the policy written. My department has signed off on it. And now where do I go and, and how would I start from the very ground floor of, of getting this program going? Yeah, first and foremost, you make contact. I mean, whatever facility is uh, in your jurisdiction, whatever you can do to make contact in there some of them in smaller jurisdictions may only have you know a kinkos um, or a lot of the ups stores are privately owned and they will not um, negotiate with you and uh, work with you but some of the smaller like the kinkos even walgreens and, and staples are taking uh, parcels in to be picked up by uh, you know fedex and ups so it's important to go in and just make a contact and, and explain to them that who you are and what you want to do. Um, explain to them what traffickers do and how they're using private couriers to ship narcotics. Um, you can, uh, you know, demonstrate how that's done. Um, just talk to them about it. Ask permission or consent to be on the property to do the parcel inspections. Get in there and, um, you know, maybe show them some samples of what you're looking for. Um, I've I went into a local sort, um, a smaller one, a ground hub. Um, because a driver asked me to pick up a box at 10 pounds of marijuana. And I talked to the manager in there and said, and one of the things I asked her, I said, hey, do you ever have anybody come in here with just a roll of money, you know, rubber banded money, and they're shipping a 10 pound or even five pound box from, from here to California and paying cash for it prior to overnight? And that's one of the things that you're looking for. And I, if, if Jeff, me, or you are shipping a box to a family member, um, we're going to find the cheapest way to send it and have a week or two in advance before it's their birthday. Um, you got a common citizen coming in to send a prior to overnight package that may weigh 10 pounds. It's going to cost them $150, $200 to send it prior to overnight and then they're paying cash to send it. Um, and then again, with that, and then the lady said, yeah, absolutely. And I said, well, please call me when that happens. So, you know, it's one of those things where you can do that. Um, there's another way demonstrate how the, how the dogs work, uh, how they find narcotics. Um, how they alert that they're not going to tear up their boxes. Um, we use, you know, 100% passive response canines. I think that's the way of the land now anyway, but demonstrate it. Um, it's not a bad thing to do. No, and people love dogs. So you bring in your your dog and if it, uh, most, especially most of the detector dogs are very social. Let them, let them pet them, get to see, get to see the dog. And uh, that usually will win a lot of people over. 
No, they do. And, and, you know, you get that canine on the property and show them how, how the dog's going to be worked on the property, you know, and you don't take an aggressive dog into the facility, obviously. So, so I like the idea that you can use the smaller places, but what if, uh, you know, what if I have a larger, you know, a place, UPS, the post office, any of those places. So that, that work overnight, like we do, how do I, how do I start working where I can go to the, the bigger places? And is it, is it advantageous or do you have better luck just having eight or nine smaller regional places, you know, the Walgreens? No, the big, actually, if you can get into that sort um, and find out, you know, where, where your target areas are, um, your high, high drug trafficking areas, you know, known for narcotics type things, um, you want to try to work or focus on those areas if you can. And if they, they point you in the right direction, if they're letting you in, there. Um, some, a lot of the larger hubs have, you know, uh, Border customs agents, it's, it's considered a port. So they're doing their international, they're checking international stuff, and it's not a bad idea to get in touch with the port director, which we have a great relationship with here, and get in touch with the, uh, you know, the manager of the hub and just ask them, hey, this is what we want to do, you know, checking back to get permission, telling you're not getting in the way and we're not going to use your name on anything um, helps. Just have an agreement. In order to do it, and you agree that any parcels leaving the property, um, you'll notify them about. They usually um, fill out their paperwork and, and do a seizure notice, and then you follow up on that seizure notice with with uh, what the outcome was. You don't have to go into big details and get send them a whole report, but you know search warrant return, um, so they can enter into their system. That's the agreement we have here. We have a again a, a good running agreement here, even with the, the local ground companies um like i said our, our day sort guys and going out there hitting the day sort and getting stuff coming into the city and doing control deliveries and um you'd be amazed about you know how much more stuff is inside that apartment or that house. oh yeah yeah once, once they're taking deliveries but i've heard i've heard horror stories about like different places that won't allow you don't have an uncooperative um manager and they won't allow you in there um you know, again, try to try to ease their, you know. Yeah, that first impression is gonna gonna maybe sink or swim you. I'm sure. Exactly. So you so that's gonna probably be your first phone call is maybe figure out who the manager is, who's the the head person at that facility, and reach out to that person and say, you know, do you have time? Do you have time? I can come down and talk to you. Yeah, actually, face to face would be best. Introduce the dog to him. Um, Again, it's it's not a bad thing. People, most people love dogs. If they don't, then you know, to do your best that you can do a um, a demonstration. Like I said, it's not a bad thing. Like uh, to let them know that you know, and you're not gonna you're not gonna inter- interrupt the flow of their the traffic while you're there. And I think so, maybe spend a little time hearing from them. How does your operation work? What you know, if if and maybe phrase it in a way that if we can work this out how can I be in here to not interrupt your flow, you know, and, and maybe let, from the very beginning, start explaining that you, you understand, you know, that they're running a business and, and they don't really, I mean, they probably don't really care that much about the things we care about. They just want to make sure those boxes keep moving. So maybe from the very beginning, you know, emphasize that part of it. Exactly. Yeah, you do that. And, and again, you know, if, if, you know, if they're into it, if they want to, you know, keep the flow of drugs coming through their uh, facilities, then they will be cooperative. And like I said, others you'll run into that aren't. Um, is there a way to get around them? Sure. I mean, once you 
kind of figure out maybe the ground transportation would be better. You, you just keep reaching out to different places, you know. Um, you can you can get in touch with drivers in target areas, you know, um, and find out, you know, we get a lot of that. With, I've had drivers tell me, man, I'm getting a lot of deliveries to this house. Just uh, leaving them on the porch and I can tell it's not, it's not on the up and up. So now a lot of agencies have, uh, you know, where they'll, they'll pay for informants and stuff like that. Are there some, some cash incentives that you use for some of these places? Yeah, there, there is, but, um, we, we don't have the need for that here, but I've heard it. I know they do it in other areas, um, that they'll give the cash incentives. Um, because like I said, we're able to intercept a lot because of the size of the facilities we have. So we're kind of, we're at a great advantage here. So it's um, just not something you need. Yeah. And the, the thing is too, is, it, you know, we have a team, you know, I recommend at least a team um, that you just, like I said, keeping everything on the up and up, you're taking everything out of there. Uh, nobody, nobody transports anything or, or executes a warrant by themselves. Everything is done, um, you know, with those guidelines too. So, because again, we're, we're seizing a lot of money too. So, so, so you, you've, you've made contact with the manager. They say, yeah, I don't, I don't care. Do what you want to do. Just keep the packages moving. You've got permission to be there. Um, you've got your policy written. Your chief has said, yeah, this sounds like a good idea. Now what's the next step that you're going to do? Uh, you still want, you want to also contact the, um, the prosecutor's office and the procedures for prosecuting cases um, or, or on the, on the forfeiture end seizure, uh, on the currency seizures, um, get with them on what they expect and what they want. We have a good working relationship with our forfeiture prosecutors, both on the AUSA side and the local side. Um, and, and don't think that they, you know, you got to educate them. I, you know, I, I know you've, you guys uh, listening to your podcast before and the last one, you know, about defense experts was good. You have to educate the prosecutors you do. And I've done, I've done my PowerPoint and lesson plans for each prosecutor that's come in. Um, we've had a case that went to the appeals court and the appeals court judge shot us down on something. He gave really a bad ruling. And I ended up, um, me and the team went to the U.S. Attorney General's office and, and basically um, went over the whole, I know you're probably familiar with the Dr. Furton study and the threshold of determination, and they really didn't have a clue the first time they heard of it. So don't assume that they know um, what our dogs threshold is or what they're alerting to and why they alert to some and not others. So take that into account and educate them even prior to going in and say, Hey, we may get a box of money that the dog hit on it. Like it was a box of, of narcotics. Um, it's important to keep them in the loop and again, educate them. Yeah. So, and so they're ready when you come in with your search warrant, it's not a brand new. Right. So, and we have a, we, we keep a roster of guys like our roster is up to date. Uh, they know who's working out there prosecutor does um and then again you know uh with that said they you know it's pretty seamless you know we don't have different people from different um agencies or even my own unit coming in it's usually the same guys and the same guys from state police and from customs we're all together so at, at this point your um unit is so successful that most of your days are spent at the facility just working packages every day every day Every so, night. Okay. Midnight, so you go in at night and, and yep. do the overnight packages? Yeah, we do the night sort, um, you know, around midnight and, and work the uh, sort until, you know, early in the morning, two thirty three, sometimes later. Um, 
And then uh, what we're doing is we're pulling those ones that um, we know what to look for, basically, in the parcel, in the labeling. Okay. Let's and we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. I just want to see. Yeah. So, so you've, you've, you'd, you'd made contact, you got your permission, then you just figured out here's the busy times. And then you decided two, three, four detectives are going to go at those busy times. And right. Yeah. We have, yeah. Set times, schedules, um, pretty much if, if uh, somebody's going to be off or there's always going to be a, a, a dog available. And I think that's a, a real important thing. Like, uh, like, as I mentioned, we've, we've gone in with our bomb dogs and trained at a pretty good sized FedEx facility here in our city. And we'll go in during the day. And if you go in there at 10 o'clock in the morning, it's a complete total ghost town because everything's already on the trucks and they're out moving and the, the other loads have not come in yet. Right. So if you're going to do this, obviously you're going to have to work. You're, you're not going to work your, your day shift banker hours. You're going to be working when the packages are moving at the yeah, facility. Yeah, you need to hit those peak hours. So if you're looking for inbound, if you check your facility, your inbound should be coming into your airport. Um, I know they have to be on the plane here. And again, because we're a hub, um, they're on the plane by, you know, 4 a.m., no later than 4.15. So they're landing, you know, in your area, either, you know, east or west coast, they're getting there between 5 and 6. That's That morning sort should be starting at that time. So that package that's coming into your sort will be there early morning instead of evening hours. You're outbound, I would check the times and see if it's an evening sort. Then you can check your outbound and see if there's uh, – if there's money or narcotics leaving your state, then that's always the option too. Okay. So, so now you, you show up, you know, that midnight's going to be the busy time you show up, you've got your dog, a couple of detectives. Um, can you walk me through the process? What, what are they looking for? I know you mentioned, you know, some, you're going to screen some of the packages. How are you utilizing your dog at the same time? Is it, you know, just kind of explain that whole, the whole evening for me, how, what you're going to do then. Yeah. So we're, we're basically, we're, um, we're, uh, working, we're at the sort without the canines at that time. They're, they're standing by in the car waiting for us to utilize them. So we, we want to do it because we're looking at 3000, maybe more or less per hour coming through that sort on some of these lines, 3000 packages. So you're talking about 6,000 to 8,000 or more packages in a two and a half hour span that we're standing there. Um, and then uh, once we look for what we're looking for is, you know, that priority overnight, sometimes an overnight package that was paid for, um, you know, either by a credit card. A lot of times it's going to be a credit card account or, you know, with pre-purchase card. If there's there's things in the labeling that will tell you there's to be labeling missing how it was paid for. Normally that's a cash payment. Um, looking at the weight, is it a, is it a city or state, a source state? Is it going to a source city or state such as LA or Oakland and uh, Phoenix and things like that? Um, you know, so we're looking for that. Is there a lot of tape on the box? Is it a new box? They don't want that box to break open, so they're using a new purchase box um, and they're going to tape the crap out of it. It's going to have a lot of tape on it. And when you got all these packages come down at once, you're looking for all that tape first. Um, you look at the label. So let me just let me just reiterate that basically right now you're standing somewhere where they can still do their work and you're, you found a place where you can see the boxes going by on the belt and you're just looking for you visually, you're just trying to, and they're, they're moving when they're going by, right? I mean, they're, they're, they're moving, they're going by. Yeah. They're moving uh, fast. They're not too bad. They're not too bad. I mean, you, you have time, you have time to look at them and grab them, but um, yeah, you can see, you can get a good idea of which ones you want to grab. Are we missing some? Absolutely. But uh, for the most part, 
and and we do we stay out of the way and we literally have had you know relationship with even the workers they get to know us and uh they've been there for a long time and they've grabbed boxes for, Hey, I like this one. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you should check this smells. one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we had one grab one and say, this one smells like weed and they hand it over to us, you know? So we have a good relationship with them, but um, yeah, we try not to get them by. So we're looking for, um, you know, things that stand out. And then while you're standing there, I mean, there used to be a lot more handwritten labels. It's sloppy. You still see them now and then, but you can just tell, you know, it looks like a third grader wrote it. Um, they, a lot of them, the majority, I would say, uh, there's no signature required. So you'll have a check box on postal boxes or UPS and even FedEx will say, won't say signature required on it. It'll just be blank or it'll even check the box, no signature. Um, I'm not sending anything of any value to leave on the front porch of anything. And, and when you're sending tens of thousands of dollars, you're just going to leave it on the front porch. Um, that's somebody who doesn't want to be connected to the parcel and that's part of the the, the prop the thing that they want is they want an anonymity in the parcel shipments they, they use fictitious names they use fictitious businesses so you you see the the box you know rolling by and it's got a bunch of tape and maybe something else catches your eye you just grab it right off the the conveyor belt at that point right and then you start searching you search the tracking number. Was it actually searched from that location? Was it dropped off at a FedEx facility, a UPS facility? You can run the tracking number. You just get the app. You download the app. And you can run tracking numbers. And what you're going to do is if it says, you know, uh, Jim Brown Construction LLC and it has an address and you, you run it, uh, it doesn't come back to there. Or even a big business, um, the drivers will pick up the shipments. They're not going to drop them at a FedEx facility. So it'll say third-party shipper on it. And then, you know, you just go and uh, you run that tracking number and you see it was dropped off at a FedEx facility. And, you know, I almost threw one back because it was an actual computer warehouse in New Jersey going to California. And I said, no, it is looks good, except for somebody dropped it off and um, they didn't use the whole name. And there was just little things that, you know, threw things off as an example. And, you know, the, after the dog hit it, we executed a warrant. There was $100,000 in there. So, you know, tucked inside of a gutted out computer. So there's little things that I mean, the more you do it, the more you can catch. So you so you grab a few boxes, you're, you know, as they're coming by and we've, we've kind of stressed, you know, to keep the boxes moving. But at this point, they don't mind if they're off the belt for a period of time, right? No, as long as, as long as they get back in that can, and on that plane in time for the shipment. So um, what what we're doing is we're taking the first two, two and a half hours, um, working certain certain slides, certain areas that are kind of target for us. Um, we take all those boxes because we're kind of spread out through the building. There's about four to five of us detectives working. So we'll meet up and then we'll lay those boxes out for the dogs to search. So uh, once we once we get our hits and we know which ones, we get those other boxes back in the sort again um, once we get those boxes figured out it could be two or three I mean we've had you know um, each guy's probably pulling anywhere with you know five six seven boxes so you're, you're talking about 20 20 something boxes to sniff and then you narrow that that down to two or three um, and once those boxes go in the sort then we're looking again we go back to the sort line until about 330 and we're finding um, what happens is the West Coast planes come in later and they're doing their narcotic shipments going east. 
So, so you, you've grabbed some boxes off there. Your, your partners have also been somewhere else. So then you, you take, it might be, I'm saying, it sounds like you're saying you might have two or three, everybody's got two, three, four, five boxes and you go to a separate part of the facility. Yeah. So we go to the, there's a area, a customs area, um, another part of the warehouse where, um, we can run our searches uh, a little bit, um, easier. Without, without having any problems like it'd be it, it, to bring the dog up on the landings there you're talking about five different areas to take the dog up and down the stairs and then separate it's a lot quicker to bring all the boxes down and we throw them in the, one of the vehicles the pickup truck and we all go together to an area and then we can there's a belt right there to put them back on if we need to so it works out well that way and if, you're a, if a smaller facility a ground facility it's easy to just go find a area that's um, safe for you and the dog to to run your suspicious boxes. So you, you, know, you go out behind a sort line or where the trucks are and uh, find an area to run them. And this way you're still close enough to get them back in the sort or back on the truck. So you, you'll spread the boxes out on the ground, I assume. And then um, do you bring any other um, boxes that are not suspicious in nature just so the dog's got to work through it or do you just work? Yeah, just exactly. Your- yeah, so that's even that's even included in our warrant information that there's a lot of boxes similar in size and shape and color and whatnot all in the same area. So when we go down to that area that we do the sniffs, there's other boxes that have already been cleared or checked by customs, and we can use those for dummy boxes. Okay, so so that way, obviously, you're not just spoon feeding the dog. So oh, exactly. Yeah, never. It's never done that way. Yeah, I didn't think so. So so you spread out all the um, boxes. Now, do you run your own dog on your boxes or do you have somebody else run the boxes and are the labels up or down? Is there any other procedure you do? No, no they're usually just, they're just uh, lined up. Uh, usually the labels are down. Um, the, the boxes, again, most of them are similar in shape and size anyway, and, and the labels are down or facing out depending you know where we're at in the facility to, to do them. But no, everybody's box ends up in one place, and uh, you don't know who's who's who's. And um, again, we we do a lot of um, you know a lot of parcel stuff. So we do a lot of parcel training on the canine side too. So they're obviously that they know the game and they know that boxes are a lot of fun. So they probably check boxes really well. Oh yeah, yeah. So and and we make sure that we do you know a lot of proofing because. Of, what we're seeing in the contents and a, a lot of stuff that they're sniffing. Um, and, you know, we're, we're proofing of, off each other, you know, the, our own orders, make sure, you know, we're touching stuff. We're, and obviously the currency is something that we proof um, circulated and uncirculated currency, both. And um, you're obviously you're documenting all those every, every week uh, yeah, or whatever. Every, yeah. every time. And it, yeah, and any non-alerts of currency are being documented also, but um, that's the one thing that, you know, any challenges that come up and of course, you know, you know, Ed will tell you and anybody, any good prosecutor will tell you, yeah, they're going to challenge the fact that all currency is contaminated. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, we have to deal with the whole threshold thing. And that, again, that's where the, the education comes in, uh, letting the prosecutors know and whoever's doing the forfeitures. So. Yeah. So you've got the boxes out, you run your dog or eight, somebody runs their dog on them, dog hits on it. And then um, I guess figure out which which packages now the dog has hit on. I assume, you know, that you guys are so good at at screening these packages that more often than not the the dog's probably hitting on the the correct 
or the dogs hitting on the packages that you've picked off the line. Cause I imagine at some point it's kind of like shooting fish in a barrel when you know what you're doing there. Yeah, it is. Especially when you have, like I said, they're trying to remain anonymous in their, in their labeling, you know, with the com- common last name, not using a last name and just a lot of things that you, you know, we only catch the dumb ones, Jeff. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> if, if, uh, you know, so, um, yeah, we, we know what we're looking for. Once the alert, once we get the alert and we have, we singled out the ones that we're writing warrants for, we have electronic warrant system. The warrants are done on, on the spot. So, um, okay. So it doesn't get, take long to get a, get a warrant. No. And any packages that are going to be executed are, are secured, um, in a customs facility that's there. So we have it, it's locked up and, uh, you know, we may get a delay on the warrant. It doesn't have to be expedited. So you have an electronic um, search warrant on file. So, but between the time that you've your dogs hit, then your your search warrant is largely filled out. You put in the additional facts for that particular box, send it over, and the search warrant probably doesn't take too long to get um, approved. I imagine. No, it's a it's a template form, and yeah, we just fill in the particulars of each parcel. You know, um, the two from the tracking number, obviously, sender receiver all change some suspicions and whatnot, but um, some, some get signed earlier than others, but most of the time, you know, uh, you know, we get out of there between four and five o'clock in the morning. I get the warrants out by then. Um, I've had them turned around and signed already sometimes later in the morning, like seven or eight in the morning, but uh, the other half of the task force um, on the state police side and one of our guys will go and they'll pick up, what is secured at customs. So they have access in there. Cause um, again, we have our uh, federal status inside of badges to get on the airport property. So um, they'll pick them up and execute the warrants that warrants will be, you know, emailed to them. They execute the warrants uh, and document everything from the time that box is open. They're taking pictures of every layer of concealment, which is important because um, that's what the prosecutor, that's one thing when if the guys get in this program, the prosecutor is going to want, and even if they don't understand it, that, um, you know, if you just have a box of money, money or dope and actually the money in a, in a shoe box and there's no layers of concealment or there's some explanation to it. But when they're putting six, seven layers of vacuum packing and, and dryer sheets and other masking agents and coffee, and we've had them in everything. Um, and, uh, that all has to be obviously documented through pictures and in the, uh, in the warrant and the report and the returns. So, so um, it's important to do that. So, and again, even before they pull the box, they may smell those things. I mean, we had one that smelled so strong of peppermint coming through this box one night that, you know, definitely either something leaked or it was a masking agent, but with all the label suspicions, you know, and the dog alert, um, the dog will get through it. So. so you've opened the box, you found the contraband or the money, and then, what are you usually just trying to make a case from the person who shipped it? Are you just merely seizing it or are you going to try and do a controlled delivery or is it kind of a combination of all those based on probably a lot of different factors? Yeah, it could be a combination, but the the biggest factor is again, a lot of this stuff is coming through our city and going to another destination is not landing here. We're just intercepting it while it's here. Um, which and I'll get, if, remind me to get into this as far as the narcotics side go too, because I'd, I'd rather not be disposing all the dope I'm seizing here. I want to send it on and control whatever he's done. So bring me back, circle back to that if you could. But the money itself, uh, it stays here, but we will, um, 
Homeland Security investigators will do like on the larger amounts follow-up investigations. We have uh, contacts in other states that will do follow-ups too. And it's, you know, a big amount of bulk cash currency, 50, you know, six figures um, being sent. Um, so they're usually that those, those are followed up on both ends. Um, and again, a lot of times uh, I'll, I'll reach out to some of my contacts that I've met cross paths with, you know, going around teaching across the country and, and say, Hey, here's a good address. I'm not giving you the money, but if you want to look into this, yeah. <laughs> here you go. <laughs> you know, and again, anybody listening wants to have my contact information, you're welcome to give it to them because um, if I can point them in the direction that they can do something on, um, that's what I, you know, I'd rather do that than just, you know, let it well, die. Yeah. And that kind of brings us full circle. Cause I know you teach uh, around the country on, on this very subject, don't you? Right. Yeah, I do. The Epic has a program for Jetway Pipeline. They they host classes around the country. Last year, not so much, but yeah, I've made good contacts in uh, New York, New Jersey, and out west in San Diego. I've been out there, Washington State, and what have you. So, uh, and you run into a lot of people that can't do the program. They're not allowed to, but um, the ones that can um, do and will. So here's the key: if I have a box of dope, we're going to have that. Probably, we're going to know by. 3.30 in the morning, quarter to four. Um, the problems that we have run into is my contact's not answering the phone. So I, I got to make sure before I put it back on the plane that it's going to be intercepted. Um, we've had some really good success on some. Um, and, you know, I've sent some, a couple couple kilos of heroin to New York, to the Bronx, and my contact there, you know, it takes two or three tries, but he'll answer the phone and He's done. He's done control deliveries. Actually, what put the driver deliver one, and they caught a dirty driver in the Bronx. Actually, two of them they've caught by getting paid off meeting a guy in a corner. So it's not that's not uncommon either. However, you do your control deliveries if it's not done within the department, if you're just using UC vehicles like that, uh, and that's how they come up their guy. But um, is it usually? Um, are you having? I mean, do you dress like? Do Do you have the? Do the cops dress up and go to the house and? Or do you just let the uh, watch the delivery take place and then the dri- drivers out of it? Because obviously you don't want to include them in any of it. Right, we don't include the drivers here. We do our own. Um, we we do our own control deliveries. So we have the we have the uh, equipment, um, the uniforms, the UC vehicles uh, to to do it ourselves. We don't want to involve the drivers at all. Um, so like in different places, different strokes. But yeah, there's a there's a lot of um, hard drugs that we've seized and were sent on um, the fentanyl heroin meth most recently um, just getting a you know a ton of stuff we got you know 10 kilos of cocaine uh, going to to jersey and i you know trying to ring my my guy up out there and there's no answer i gotta you know and then i tell him the next day and he's, he's beating his head against the wall so next time i promise so if you're on the receiving end of one of these calls if you're a detective that's a pretty good day because now you've got a, I mean, that's not just a tip. You have a, a, a crime in progress that now you can add to your stat column once, uh, once that box delivers. So, and the difference is, it. is that we'll do an expedited warrant instead of a routine warrant. Now, when we do an expedited warrant, they're, they're waking a judge or a commissioner up to get it sung. So I'm going to tell you what's in your box. I'm going to be able to execute that warrant because a lot of times they don't have a dog on the other end. Some of them don't. So they're going to go off our alert, our, expedited warrant that's going to be sent to them and then they're going to do the control delivery. You're going to seal the box back up and send it on its way. Exactly. 
So all I need to know, hey, you're going to do it on your end. And uh, because if you don't, then we're just putting it in for disposal here. And and again, the, the thing that's that's nice about this is as a canine guy and a trainer, been doing it for years, is that we have these boxes available before we take them in for disposal. We're, we're working our dogs. Oh, yeah. More training. And, yeah. More training and, you know, the bigger amounts. And it's pretty, pretty cool. Pretty neat. So I try to keep these shows, you know, around this length. So we'll probably try and wrap it up. But just a couple of the, to reiterate, I know you said you te- teach these classes. So you had mentioned before we started that you have a PowerPoint that you teach and you said you don't mind sharing that. So if it's all right, I'll put your um, email address in the show notes. And if somebody's listening to this, either reach out to me or reach out to Gary directly. And he's got a PowerPoint presentation just to kind of outline a lot of what we talked about. And he said he'd share it with everybody. Yeah, I can do an outline. The PowerPoint's too big to, to send, but I can, I can do an outline on, on the key points of getting in a facility. And if there's any questions, obviously you can have my phone number email and uh, just don't call me during the day. That's why I sleep. <laughs> no, we'll just put your email in there. And then if you have, so if you have questions on, like I said, it, I think just to, to kind of recap, I think first step is a policy. And the second step is develop a relationship with the the carrier. And I, I think we could talk brand names if we said UPS, FedEx, and I bet you from talking to, you know, people that I know around the country and you do this a lot more than I do, somebody could tell you a nightmare story about one and a good story about the other and back and forth and the postal service. So it, that's kind of more of a, a manager and who runs those facilities. Cause each one of them probably has their own uh, kind of quirks as to whether they're good or bad. Uh, would you say, or there's not a, there's not one that one brand that is more cop friendly than the other is there. No, no, it, it's, it's, it is it's hit or miss in, in the, the area that you're in. So you may have one very pro, police and, and enforcement and another one that's completely against you. Yeah. So And they can they can um, turn us down. They they don't they don't have to let us in there. So Yeah. And again if you can establish you are if you're in a port, you know, like Newark or LA or, you know, Colorado, you know, out there in Denver or any any port, um, there's gonna be somebody from C B P that's in charge and it's not a bad to make contact with them too because they're doing international inspections and get them involved and say, Hey, this is what they're doing in India and um, CBP's working with these guys because a lot of the sort is co-mingled. So you're going to have international mingled in with LA and New York and some other other places. So because it's co-mingled, they may join you in looking just to get a stat too, because they get they get the they get to punch those numbers into their computers as stats too. So um, whatever we're generating, they're getting too. So um, it's not a bad idea uh, because sometimes that port director will talk to. The facility said, hey, I know you don't want them in here, but we do. Yeah, <laughs> so, so therefore, <laughs> therefore you're letting them in. Yeah. So that, that, that could, they could be, a, you know, uh, somebody on your side and that, like you said, but the, for the most part, you're going to find jurisdictions or, or, or have, don't have the advantages of a hub where they have a ground hub or something smaller. And just to give you a quick example, and I know you want to wrap this up. There was a, a guy I did my class out in like Greensboro, North Carolina and, a week after I did my class, he decided to go into a little local place and uh, gave me a progress report. After two weeks, he seized uh, three packages well over $150,000. So his department was happy. It was a smaller department. And it was near Greensboro. It wasn't the Greensboro police, but it was something smaller. So if you work it, there's a chance. And again, it's not one of these things that you uh, will go in once or twice a month. It has to be kind of consistent. So 
Yeah, and when they call you, you need to make sure you go and take care of it too. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, excellent. I appreciate all the information. You kind of got me jazzed up. I'm going to train with our narc dogs often, so I'm going to talk to them and uh, see if I can get involved with some of this, run my currency dog uh, through some of these facilities because uh, I think it, it sounds like a pretty pretty good time to me. So. Now, are you in Denver? Yeah. Okay. Uh, they're doing a jetway class in March. I'm not going to be going, but Brian Thorler, my partner, is going to be teaching the class out there. I okay. will give them your number, and if there's a way that you guys can hook up, and we can, uh, I don't know, maybe even go with you, look at your facility. Yeah, sounds good. So. That's what I like to do. If I go to a city, if there's somebody that wants some help, I'm more than happy to go, hey, let's get in the car, let's show me what you got, and let's go talk to yeah, kind of help whoever's in there. Yep. Yeah, kind of help set it up. That sounds excellent. Well, I appreciate all the information, uh, wealth of knowledge, and I'm, I'm sure you'll probably get some contacts from this. Um, so people want to ask some more questions, but it gives a real good overview on how to get started. So I appreciate it, Gary. And uh, if, if uh, anybody has any questions for me, you can always reach out to me. And uh, I appreciate it, Gary. Be safe out there, and we will talk to you soon. You too. Thanks. All right, bye. If you're looking to make an investment in your canine career, come the HITS 2021. There's no substitute for the real thing. Whether you're a new handler who's looking to learn more about dog training or an experienced trainer who's looking for new training ideas and techniques, come to HITS 2021 where the investment is well worth the return. HITS 2021 will have more classes and more vendors who give away more free raffles and gifts and free cash than ever before. HITS is the world's largest canine seminar and is open to police officers and military members. Our experience makes the difference. You've been there, and we've been there too.